The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about eight miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 10 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. As we continue in our series on mortifying your members, we are continuing to look in verse 5 of Colossians 3 at the things that we must put to death if we would be profitable servants in the kingdom of God. These include fornication, which we've already dealt with, and uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness. Join us today as we talk about these things that need to be eliminated from our lives and we prepare to move on to talk about putting off some things, putting on some things, and letting some things into our lives. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
If you would turn this morning to the book of Colossians, the third chapter, we're going to go back to our series that we've been on about mortifying our members. You know, the word mortify means to murder, just means to kill. And uh, I thought about naming the series Murdering Your Members, but I was afraid somebody might think it was talking to pastors about killing the congregation. But uh, that's not what we're talking about. Uh, There are, however, some things that we need to murder or put to death in our lives. Now, we've said this each time we've gone to chapter 3, that there's a reason that we do this. And it's not the reason that most people in the religious world think. Most of the time in the religious world, or many times I should say, in the religious world, many denominations preach that you have to do more good works than bad in order to get to heaven. And if you don't mortify your members, you're not going to heaven. If you don't put to death some of these things that are present with us in the flesh, then we will die and go to hell. But if you'll notice, this is not written to people who are concerned or worried about going to hell. It's written to people who are risen in Christ. If ye then be risen with Christ. You see, if you're not risen with Christ, this is not a message to a dead alien sinner to uh, come up with some program or some way of working your way into the family of God and getting born again. This is written to someone who's already born again. It's written to somebody who's alive. You have been raised in Christ. You have been resurrected in Christ. And you have been born of the Spirit in that sense. And now we have some things we need to do. There's a big difference in the servitude that the world preaches and the service that the true church preaches. See, the servitude says you've got to do all this in order to get something from God. Service means you need to do all this because you already got something from God. And that's where we are. You remember we spent most of last year preaching on the articles of faith and laying the foundation of the doctrines. The first two chapters of Colossians, particularly the first three chapters of Ephesians, focus primarily on doctrine. But the last part of both of these Uh, these uh, letters that Paul wrote focus primarily on our duty now on our uh, what we should be doing because of what he did for us you know if if somebody gave me a million dollars and said it's a gift I wouldn't have any problem cutting their grass every year (laughs) I'd be happy to do that I'd do much more service to them than just that but we've gotten so much more than a million dollars from God why do we not always have that desire present with us to uh, to serve him in the way that he wants us to now I'll tell you the answer to that why do we not because we've got some members in our bodies we got some things about us that word members is literally talking about a body but obviously we're not talking about the physical body here we're talking about our spiritual side so to speak the the part of us that's within us our soul which is divided <laughs> okay We've got an old man within us, and we've got a new man within us. If you then be risen with Christ, it doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean all those old desires are over with. No, that's when the battle begins. The real battle begins at the new birth. The new birth makes a battleground out of the heart. Because there's things within us that have always been there that are the old Adamic nature that are pulling us away. And the reason we don't serve God like we should is because we have that nature pulling against us. And that's why Paul says we need to mortify some things that are inside of us. We need to kill them. We looked at the first one for a couple of sermons here. It was fornication. Fornication was the first one. Verse 5, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth 
fornication. And it starts off with that, I believe, primarily because that's one of the greatest uh, uh, lusts of the flesh that we have out there. Many people lust for power. They lust for things in this world. But always present in almost every person's life is the lust of the flesh that lead us to fornication. Wasn't that the first thing that Adam and Eve noticed? After, you know, they, they were naked when they were in the garden in an innocent state, but it didn't bother them. But the first thing they noticed after they fell into sin was that they were naked and they tried to cover that up. Of course, people don't try to cover that up much anymore, do they? <laughs> but that's part of the problem in our world today, and our world pulls us away. So these things, these are some things to mortify that we're going to talk about. Let me also just give you a little preview. We're going to be talking about soon some things to put off. And then we're going to talk about some things to put on. And then we're going to talk about some things that we need to let into our lives, okay? There's some things we need to do, and it's very important for us. Why is it, why are you harping on this, preacher? Well, first of all, the Bible harps on it. There's more written to us about how we're supposed to live than about how we were saved eternally in the Scriptures. But beyond that, it's the same thing that we've been talking about from the very beginning, from the very beginning of time. When the devil went to Eve, and she said, he said, Yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. You remember how he twisted that? That's not what God said. In chapter 2, God said, every tree of every tree you can eat, just not this one. Now, there's a big difference in that and what the devil focused on. He focused in on the negative. God's trying to keep you from something. What the devil focused upon is upon that which they couldn't do. But that's not what God started out with. God said, God said, look at the bounty. He, if you read that verse right before that in Genesis chapter 2, he says, God made every tree to grow that was pleasant to the eyes and good for fruit. Every tree. It wasn't, there wasn't any, there wasn't any China berry trees growing up in your field that was messing up your hay field if you don't bush hog them. There wasn't, any, there wasn't any trees that were full of thorns and thistles and problems. There wasn't anything like that. God made all this bountiful, uh, this, he made all this bounty just to be displayed before Adam. And he said, you can eat all of this, just not this one tree. But that's not what the devil focused on. That's not what he makes us focus on today, is it? It's not ever, oh, look at all the places you can go and have wholesome fun. No, he's, looking at the, he's pointing us to the one place we can go and get in trouble. <laughs> That's the way it always works, isn't it, you see? But you see, the problem we've had from the beginning is that as soon as, as, soon as, as man fell into, into temptation, as soon as he succumbed to the temptation of the devil... He began to experience the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, which John tells us in 1 John is all there is in the world. Now, there's pleasure in sin for a season, but the problem with that is, is that when there's pleasure in sin, uh, it dissipates. It does not last. In any event, what we've talked about for the past two Sundays has been fornication. But now, today, we're moving into some other things that we need to mortify. In verse 5, notice what it says. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, now listen, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, 
which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience. Now, let me skip to the end quickly, verse 6, and point out a reason that we need to mortify these members. Because these are the very things that God pours out his wrath upon the unregenerate about. That's the very things that he pours out his wrath upon the non-elect about. I don't want to look like an unregenerate. I don't want to look like the non-elect. He's not threatening us here with saying, if you don't do these things, he's going to send you to hell and pour out his wrath upon you. That's not what he's saying. But what he's saying is, look, these are the things that those who hate God do. You don't need to do this. So let's talk about it. We've already talked about fornication. And I will point out that this first member that we must mortify, fornication, sort of begins the process, if you will. The rest of the sins that he mentions here sort of trickle down from this one. So let's start out with uncleanness. What does it mean? Well, uh, uncleanness is a Greek word that, that is pointing us toward uncleanness in the moral sense. It's the impurity of lustful luxurious living and it can also point us to impure motives back over in Galatians chapter 5 sometime you might turn and look there in verse 19 it lists uncleanness as one of the works of the flesh he says the works of the flesh are manifest which are these adultery fornication uncleanness and so forth uncleanness has to do with our lifestyle and it is it is the opposite of holiness. Listen to this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 7. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Notice what's contrasted there. You've got uncleanness as a lifestyle, and you've got holiness as a lifestyle. Those are the opposite. If you're going to live a holy lifestyle, you're not going to, have, you're not going to be able to engage in uncleanness, you see. Uncleanness detracts from holiness. So what is the idea here? The idea here, how does it apply? It's not just talking about isolated acts of, Im of moral impurity, I believe. But he's talking about a lifestyle that exhibits this kind of uncleanness. Look with me back over to Romans chapter 6 for a minute. And let's just look and see in chapter 6 and verse, we'll begin reading in verse uh, 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Now, what he's just been talking about here, he, he started out this chapter 6 say, uh, answering the charge that some might still make today. Say, well, you know, if, if you believe in salvation by grace, why don't you just live in sin? Because grace covers that too. And the first thing he says here in chapter 6 is what shall we say then shall we continue in sin that grace may abound God forbid God forbid we think that way and by the way I've said this before here but if you'll notice sometimes we who believe in salvation by grace alone get accused of things like they say well if I believe that way I'd live anyhow I wanted to live well you ever notice that it's only people who don't believe that way that say that <laughs> It's the only people that don't believe the way we do that say that. We don't say that because we know the Bible teaches something different. The Bible says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Paul says, God forbid. No way, man. We don't do that. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And he mentioned in verse 13, he said, don't yield your members. That's the same thing we're talking about, right? This is the body, our bodies, don't yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. 
Back over in one of the Psalms, and I forget where it is exactly. You can look it up sometime. David mentions being free among the dead. You know, that's the only freedom that the unregenerate will ever experience. He's free, all right, but he's free among the dead. And, you know, sometimes we live like that, don't we? I do. I'm, listen, I'm not preaching to you. I mean, I am, but I'm preaching to me primarily. These, these sermons are harder for me than they are anybody. Because I'm standing up here telling you not to do the things that I do so many times myself. I'm standing up here trying to encourage you and exhort you to live in a way that I can't meet the mark myself. But listen, we're all in the same boat, you see, and we're to continue striving for that. Don't yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. You're alive and act like it, is what he's saying. You're alive, so you act like it. And your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, but ye are not, uh, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. There again, same thing he said earlier. Know ye not, and here's, the, here's one of the key points. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. You know why Paul harped upon this so much and why I try to preach it as often as I can and as the Lord gives me light to do it about our duty? It's not because I'm trying to whip you into shape. It's not because I'm trying to uh, browbeat you or myself over things that I haven't done. But it's because that when we yield ourselves unto obedience, unto righteousness, we're avoiding the pitfalls that are out there when we don't do that. He said, when you yield yourselves servants to sin, you know what the result is? Death. Death. You ask the prodigal son someday when we get to heaven, would he have been better off to stay in his father's house? Or did he like that pig pen so much that he went back down to it? <laughs> He was not happy in the pig pen. No little born-again Jewish boy would ever have enjoyed the pig pen. And let me just say this, too, for our young folks and our older folks, he never intended to get there. I guarantee you, you ask the prodigal son in heaven, was your ultimate goal the pig pen of life? He'd say, man, I never dreamed I'd be down there. You ask David someday. You ask David what he thought about the situation with Bathsheba. I guarantee you he'll tell you, I thought it was going to be just a one-night stand. But, beloved, we've heard the saying before, and I say it again to you, sin will take you farther than you ever meant to go. And it'll keep you longer than you ever meant to stay. And it'll cost you more than you ever thought you'd have to pay. Ask anybody who's been, ask Lot. Lot, did you intend to one day be living among those sodomites and upholding what's going on by your very presence there? He said, no way, I just pitched my tent toward Sodom. I just pitched my tent toward this lush and beautiful place that looked like it would be a great place to raise my kids and to raise my flocks. And I never intended to be dwelling in Sodom. Nobody ever, in, no child of God ever intends to end up in the pig pen of life. What happens, though, is step by step 
by step, eventually, you end up looking around one day, and all you see around you are pigs and hogs, and all you see to eat are the husks. And I want to say to you, as I've said so many times here, child of God, a sheep can't live off pig food. Sheep can't, sheep needs sheep food. You need sheep. Why do we have the church? Why do we have this place to come to? It's to come get fed. I mean, there's other reasons. Certainly it's because God said to come here and to worship him. But there's some side benefits. There's some fringe benefits to coming to church. The primary reason is God said, do it. Come worship me. He said, I worship me in the way I want you to worship me. Come to the church. But listen, when you do, don't you get fed? Don't you get, don't you get reinvigorated? I mean, that's not, we're not here just as a charging station, but my goodness, it works that way, doesn't it? It does for me. <laughs> it's, it's a, see, I'm not out here saying avoid fornication so you can be self-righteous and look good to everybody. No, avoid it because eventually if you engage in that lifestyle, the unclean lifestyle and all these other things, it will lead you to destruction, you see. He said, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Now, here's where we are. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Now, remember now, to make it clear, this is not, they didn't obey to become children of God. They obeyed because they were children of God. But the implication here is they didn't have to obey. And child of God, you can disobey. You are able to do that. You're able to get up and walk out of church right now and never come back. You're able to close your Bible right now and never open it again. You're able to go out and leave your wife or your husband or neglect your duties at work. You're able to do whatever you want to do. You're able to do that. Okay? But let me just say to you, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. He says here, you've obeyed from the heart. That form of doctrine which was delivered to you, being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. These are some people that have obeyed and they have not engaged in the uncleanness of this world. They've tried to live their lives, conform their lives to the ways of God. And then he says in verse 19, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness and holiness. And here's what he's saying. He's just basically repeating himself from what he said in Colossians. He's saying, you, have, you are in your flesh. You're, you have the infirmities of the flesh. And you have in the past yielded your members, your flesh your body as a servant to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity i find that interesting don't you because sin doesn't ever stop you ever thought about that sin doesn't ever stop sin it said so you yield your servant your, your members servants to iniquity where does it lead unto iniquity you go one step and then the next step and then the next step it keeps on going. That's one thing that never ends is the depths of your depravity. You can go as deep and as far as you want. But he said, now yield your members, servants, unto holiness. And, and here's, here's what he's saying as well. This is very important, child of God. 
Take someone who's addicted to, to drugs. You know, the, the old uh, anti-drug campaign that said, just say no, okay? That's, very, that's a very good um, admonition. Don't ever start it, just say no. If you get into it, stop it. But here's the problem. You can't just stop something. You know, we hear the term nature abhors a vacuum. Your soul abhors a vacuum. You can't just cast out. I've seen it happen in drug addicts. You can't just stop doing the drugs. You need to fill up that empty space where the drugs addiction was with something else. The ones that I've seen that have succeeded most in that realm are those who have stopped they're uh, taking their drugs or engaging in that addiction, but have filled themselves up with the spiritual things of God. So in other words, you can't just stop committing fornication, stop the unclean lifestyle. You have to engage in something else. Remember what he said that we just read in verse 19 of Romans uh, 6? He said, as you have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness in, in the past, you've yielded your members' servants to iniquity, now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. So don't, you don't just stop and sit down and stand still. You need to now engage in holy living. Engage in righteous living. You cannot just quit something like that. You have to pursue something else. Yield your members, servants to righteousness. It is the practice of righteous living that Paul is promoting here. He says, murder, mortify, murder, uncleanness. But don't just do that. Engage in holiness, the opposite. Now look at the next one. After uncleanness, we have inordinate affection. Now that Greek word there is the Greek word pathos. Pathos. And it's where we get our word passion. The definition of this, it's a feeling which the mind suffers or an affection of the mind or an emotion. And in the bad sense, it refers to a depraved or a vile passion. Over in the book of Romans, in the first chapter, where he lists the calls the role of all the things that the unregenerate and reprobate do, he mentions the vile affections, the vile affections. He's going to talk about evil concupiscence. I know that's an old-timey word, but it just means a sensuous longing. And over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 5, he talks about the lust of concupiscence. It's that word lust there is pathos, you see. So that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a depraved passion or a vile passion, which obviously is related to fornication. That's clearly one of the first things we think about, right, is fornication. And you remember how to fight fornication? You remember how to fight? You don't fight it. <laughs> you don't fight fornication. You flee it. You flee it. He tells us to flee fornication. Uh, that's the one, one sin we're not to stand against. We're to run from, you see. Flee from it with our eyes, remember? Uh, Job said that he is, he said he made a covenant with his eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? He didn't say, you know, you'd think he ought to say, why then should I look upon a maid? But he said exactly what he ought to say, which is if I'm looking at something, it goes into my mind. The eyes are the gateway to the mind. So when you look upon something, you don't just look, you see it not just with your eyes, but with your mind. And you know, there are things I've seen in my life that I can't unsee. 
Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J, C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.